Hello, and welcome to God is Dad podcast. My name's Justin. In a minute, I'll be joined by my friends Dan and Jake. We are three dads who are trying to become better dads by looking at the way God parents us and then trying to parent more like him. We're definitely not trying to tell people the right way to parent. More so, we're just trying to have intentional conversations about what God's like and what that means for our own families. And our hope is that you would find that enjoyable, entertaining, and hopefully a little bit helpful. You probably didn't notice, but there was a couple weeks there where we didn't post any episodes, mostly because I had surgery around that time, and it was a lot more intense than I thought it was going to be, and so I didn't really have the energy and wasn't going to work and wasn't really doing anything for about two weeks there. And if I'm just being honest, I really struggled and am struggling with that whole thing. And so I wanted to talk to Dan Jake kind of about it, about I don't know, going through hard things that kind of make you question things about God, about goodness, about how life's going to turn out, that kind of stuff. So I wanted to ask them about some of the harder things that they've gone through, how they process through them with God, hopefully so I can kind of process through this thing that I'm going through a little bit better. We're pretty much all guaranteed to go through hard things at some point in our life. So if you are currently going through something hard or have already in the past or or will in the future, I hope you get something out of hearing about how we process through some hard or scary things in our own lives. Let's go ahead and get started. You had uh, hernia surgery? Yeah, I did. Oh. It sucked, man. Dude. Yeah, it was really painful for three or four days. And then it's become less so. But actually, I I kind of wanted to ask you, because I feel like I'm having some trouble. I'm, I don't feel like. I know I'm having some trouble. And so I'm curious what you guys would have to say about it. I, wa- I want your advice on, essentially, there's like a pretty decent chance of, or a lot of people that have the surgery end up having chronic pain for a long time, either months or years or or even beyond possibly because essentially they, they go in and they have to cut through a bunch of tissue and they're like, what they do is they put in this mesh over the hole to try to prevent it from reoccurring. But it either like your body kind of doesn't like having some a foreign object in it or like when they're doing all that, there's like three nerves that kind of run in that area and then they can like either disrupt those nerves or damage them when they're doing the surgery or or the mesh kind of like rubs on the nerve, which can lead to just like chronic pain forever, possibly. You know, so I'm reading about that. And essentially, you know, I've, I haven't never really had any major health problems before or had any like big, big scares or anything that's been a problem. So I'm just, uh, I, think, I feel like I'm going through this thing right now where, well, I'm, I'm curious, I'm curious if you've had this experience yet in your life as dads now. But so I feel like what I'm experiencing now is this, the shifting reality from when when you're a child or when you're at least young and you're under your parents, it's really nice because they create this covering that co- kind of covers over your life. If something goes wrong, my assumption always was as someone who's young was that, oh, my mom and dad will take care of it or they'll be able to handle it or like whatever happens, like I can always fall back on them and they know what they're doing. They're, they're old, they're wise, they're put together and they'll be able to kind of care for me or keep me safe or whatever, that kind of thing. But I feel like in the last probably two years, and certainly I, guess I think with this thing, I, I've obviously been out of my parents' household for a while, but I haven't really encountered anything that sort of challenged me in that way. But what I'm realizing is there's these things in my life that happen that are challenging me or like struggles or hard things. I'm sort of realizing that like, oh, I, yeah, I've definitely stepped out, of, out from under that cover that my parents had for me and that like security blanket that I always kind of felt. Uh, like I don't, ha- I, don't, I don't feel like I have that anymore for my parents, right? Which is obviously very natural. But then it, that feels scary 
because the majority of my life up to that up to this point, I, I have I've either felt that protection or I just haven't had anything that's like challenged me enough to make me feel scared or vulnerable or uh, I guess in need of that kind of a thing. Right. And so, you know, then, I mean, I think obviously the, the response to that situation would be, oh, well, that's great. That's kind of what God's for, right? Like God's your dad. And so you step out of your parents' covering, and then you, in theory, you would step more fully into the covering that God can provide and the covering that he creates as, you know, the master of the universe and as a heavenly father kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But sort of like this, this, these experiences the last couple of years of my life have been showing me that I haven't really done that yet, that I do not, I do not feel nearly as secure like in God's, in God's covering as much as I felt secure in my parents' covering. And it's like this really interesting, this really interesting uh, feeling inside of me where I'm like, I just, I've like felt a number of times like, I just want to go home, kind of. <laughs> like, I just want to go home and feel safe in my parents' house, kind of. Yeah. Uh, even though, I mean, obviously, it doesn't really, just going home doesn't work. Like, I don't mean like right. go to their house. I mean, like, go back to, like, yeah. return to childhood, you know, return to the, the time or the feeling of, my actions have weight, but also there's always someone there to kind of take care of it, you know, or sort of handle it or uh, yeah. fall, fall back yeah. on, you know? Yeah, essentially, the, yeah, this thing that I'm going through is like, yeah, okay, there's this health thing and there's a lot of pain. There's possible possibility for long-term consequences or whatever. And if I was a kid, I would just think, well, I'm sure my parents will figure it out. Like, they'll talk to the doctors. They'll get me in the best, you know, the best medical care they can and whatever. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to worry about yeah. like future because they'll just always, they've got it sort of. And I would really like to move in that place with God, but it's not, it hasn't been easy. Uh, I would say <laughs> it hasn't been, hasn't been seamless uh, of a transition. So I'm just kind of curious if you a have felt that at all in your, in your life, uh, post in, in as Malone. parents, huh? Malone. What's that? That's post Malone. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Or be yeah, if if you have, then how how has that have you been able to? How has that gone? Do you feel like you're uh, you're succeeding in that? I don't know if I. The largest part of what you're talking about when I hear about it is like financial. For me, like financial security. The the covering is always kind of like, oh well, I messed up with this doctor on my surgery. I really need to get this thing fixed, but I don't have enough you know cash flow or whatever how do I make this work? And that's definitely like, you're talking about something different than that. Yeah. I mean, I guess the financial side is part of it. And so then it's like decision-making or like this assurance of, Oh, it's going to be all right. Yeah. I think it more come, I think I would describe it just as like the feeling of safety. I mean, cause what you're describing is like, Oh, there's definitely a surgery that can fix it. Or there's definitely some procedure that can heal you. Or there's definitely some cure to your thing. But yeah, I think what yeah. I've been sort of confronted with is the fact that, like, like that's a that's the goal of modern medicine, right? Is to have a cure for everything, and to essentially not ha- not let not have people feel pain or ever die, kind of, <laughs> you know, or die early, I guess. But modern medicine has not achieved that, right? Yeah, in a number of ways, and 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 uh, people, you know, are constantly dealing with death and ill effects of their bodies failing them, I guess. That, I mean, and, and that, I mean, combined with just, you know, every time you step in your car, 
you can get a car crash that could paralyze you or kill you or kill, you know, your family or whatever. Like, you know, there's always that kind of danger out there. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would describe it as because I think what you're what you're saying is you, like like that, that response would be that, like, if I have enough as long as I have enough money, I will be safe. Right? Yeah. And I think I'm at the place where I just you just hear about or you pay if you pay attention. There's enough pe- there's enough situations out there where you see like, hey, people can j- just die of like heart failure unexpectedly or people get in car crashes or lots of things can go wrong you know <laughs> you know yeah, uh, yeah yeah i think that's how i describe it i i think you're right i think i feel like it's more about just the realization as an adult that bad things can happen like really bad things can happen and do happen and as we get older we'll see them happen more and more and more to people around us or even to ourselves how how do you process that as a as an adult that's what i'm going through is i'm like processing that and i when i was when i was a kid or younger, I would always just process it like, well, I don't know how to handle those things, but I know that my parents do. Or at least I believe they did. Whether or not they did or not was kind of irrelevant. Like, I just thought, like, well, whatever whatever happens, like, my mom and dad will know what to do. Now I'm the mom or the dad, and I'm saying, hmm, you know, there's, there, this, there, there might be situations that I don't really know what to do or there, or there isn't something to do, you know, to do, uh, possibly. Yeah. So that's that's more the question. But but financial provision could be part of it too. I mean, it, I'm assuming you could feel the same situation if someone you know lost their job or got laid off and stuff. I'm sure I'm sure for some people, depending on you know the kind of support systems around them, that could be just as devastating. Yeah, I feel like for me, my processing of it has definitely gotten different the older that I've become. I've I feel like so like backstory for listeners is I thought that I had like a cancerous cyst on me that I didn't get checked out for a long time. And so for me, a lot of like, I think the initial shock happened in my later college years for, for that kind of question was just like wrestling with and kind of becoming okay with the scenario that like, this is a problem that might not have a solution. So I think for me that happened younger, like that. And now I feel like a lot of processing that sort of like safety net sort of stuff is just coming to terms or like, kind of like being okay with the fact that yeah like not all problems have a have a solution or like just kind of being comfortable in mm. in the uncomfortability uh, of it like i might not have a solution to this problem but this has been kind of like mankind's struggle for all eternity or <laughs> since whatever whatever we've been around it's kind of like for me it's been a little bit freeing because then it kind of debunks a lot of maybe things that you've had to hold on to from what your parents are from like other reputable sources that you've gleaned your information from. And you're like, Oh, like actually I don't think this perspective is healthy. And then you can like change into a new one when you realize that like, this is a bigger question than I thought it was when I was younger. And I just learned that X or Y or Q or whatever is the answer. As a kid, maybe that didn't really resonate with you, or maybe in your 20s or whatever, that didn't really resonate with you. And then you realize, oh, that philosopher might not have had the re- the right answer. <laughs> you know, like you kind of get put on a level playing field a little bit, I think, when you make the realization. So, sorry, what what is the realization you're talking about? Uh, that Yeah, that there's not a safety the safety net of your parents was fabricated essentially, you know, that like in reality, God was the only safety net the whole time. (laughs) And it just appeared to you like your parents were going to take care of it. 
and you kind of had like a misplaced trust in their ability to do so, but it felt really good. So you're saying you, you feel like you did that in college when you, when you had your non-campus yeah. assist? So like leading up to it, kind of like the realization of needing to go get checked out by the doctor forced that issue on me. Cause I knew like if this was cancerous or if it was like a terminal or even like if it did affect my life in a huge way that there might not be any solution. So I think that's when that kind of came about that, that sort of realization came about for me. So what you just realized, what like, how would you describe what you realized? I realized that like, yeah, I didn't have a safety net other than God. Was that easy? Was it easy for you to just be like, okay, God's my safety net? No, I mean, it took me like a year and a half of like fighting with it to just embrace it. You know, like when I went to the doctor, I had embraced. It wasn't like I have this problem. I'm going to go get checked out and God is my safety net. It like took me a year of wrestling and running away from the problem and avoiding it and revisiting it timidly and putting a case around it than being more vulnerable than, you know, like it took a long time for me to be okay with the fact that I didn't have, or it wasn't living in a safety net. And then like finally transitioning and kind of like handing that over to God a little bit mm. more than I had in the past. So no, it took me, it might've seemed like, or from the way that I'm talking about it, like the transition was quick, but it, in order to do that, it took me like a year, a year and a half in order to be okay with, making that transition that kind of allowed me to go get it checked out. Cause like the answer would have, could have been like a bad answer that there was no solution to. I came to the realization that I didn't have a safety net other than God because there wasn't like medicine couldn't potentially couldn't have saved me from what I potentially had. Right. Right. Yep. Which maybe made the transition a little bit easier because it was like all or nothing. Yeah. Where maybe like chronic pain, it might not force your hand as much because I fought that battle as long as I, I tried to stay in the ignorant camp as long as I could. So I didn't have to deal with it, you know? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. But I feel like what I, what you just said, the way I've been thinking about it is as far as I can tell, it seems to me like there's only three ways to exist in this world <laughs> as, as it, as it currently, you know, as it currently stands. The first way is to be to be ignorant, like you said, and just like if you don't realize all the, that bad stuff that can happen or if you've never had anything happen to you that's at all bad or hard or whatever, then you can just think that the world is kind of fine and good and whatever. And then you can be at peace because you just don't realize or recognize that bad stuff happens. So you can A, be ignorant or you can B, trust God. You know, you can be fully aware of all the stuff that can happen and I think have your faith and have your hope fully set on him and that allows you to exist in the best form possible in this world that would be b and then the third option which is the one i'm flirting with right now is uh you go crazy kind of despair yeah despair like because if you're fully aware of everything that could happen to you and you don't have you know the security of god then it's like what else what else how else can you respond other than to be afraid, scared, horrified, paranoid, all that, you know, those kind of ideas. And then to me, it made a lot more sense, like thinking about the world in those terms. And it made me have like a lot more empathy to, to people who struggle with like all the different ways that 
people cope with that. I think that reality, you know, whether it's alcohol or drugs or any kind of addiction, like they get really into stuff or the, like the love of money, trying to like have money be their security or whatever. But I think all, a lot of the problems that people have come down to them trying to sort through or trying to deal with the fundamental issue of the world, which is, you know, bad stuff happens all the time. What do you like? How do you handle that? How do you handle that reality? And so it's been it's been good for me because I have lived a very privileged life and haven't really had to deal with a lot of that reality very much. And so even though my, I mean, what I'm going through is a pretty small thing, but I've just like, it's just kind of opened my eyes to, to the reality of like the, the rest of the world, I guess. Maybe that's kind of dumb that it's taking me this long to, to get to that place. But, uh, <laughs> but I don't know, man, I'm like, I get it. I, I just, I just feel like I get it more. And I, I can see now, like I used to not really understand how people could like lose themselves in things or go off the deep end and stuff or how people could, how people could have lives, the types of lives that they do and make the kind of mistakes that they make. And I think that probably an explanation for a lot of the issues that anybody would have is just they're aware of the problem that the world presents and they don't have God or they don't have, they don't know how to deal with it. So I feel like I'm kind of stuck in between. I feel like I'm leaving number one of just being ignorant and being like happy go lucky. Nothing can hurt me. Nothing bad can happen. And now I'm like, I'm like wrestling between two and three or B and C. I feel like, uh, a big part of the transition from seeing your parents as a safety net to seeing God as a sole safety net would be, one of the biggest factors for me in making that transition easier is the community around me and the people around me. Uh, because obviously when you're growing up, your parents are like the singular voice or pretty much the sole influence of what safety is or what it could be. I, ideally, ideally yeah, your, sure, your sure. parents are that, are that main, main voice of like, hey, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be good. Because basically, when you're growing up, like your main concern is how much fun am I going to have <laughs> for the day? Right, right. Yeah. So, and Absolutely. so I don't know, like as a parent, like that's sort of your role is to make sure that this world of fun can be maintained, you know, as, as much as possible. So I feel like what happens is that inst instead of the parents in that role, being the main voice, we need to have like other people influencing or not influencing, but just speaking into our lives that can sort of supplement our parents' voice. Because I, I don't think it's like a, like a solo individual thing that, that we go through. Okay. Uh, like, like sort of putting uh, Dan on the spot, but the, we, we were all there in that situation with Dan in college and I remember right. sitting in the garage, you know, on at Dan's house and having him share his story with us. And so I think yep. that's like a big part of coming to grips with like, all right, who is my safety net? Oh, it's God. It's having people in your life to remind you and to encourage you to to embrace that truth. Totally. So at some point, though, I mean, that's that's totally true. That, that's a great point. You know, it has been really helpful to talk with you about it. And that's a big reason I wanted to, you know, ask you guys about it. But, you know, at, at some point, though, it's like, I'm just, I'm just really curious what the, because like these, I just feel like these moments are, or these, these trials are like the, the things that 
change people a lot and make people better, you know, move people into sort of new levels of in- intimacy or closeness with God or trust with trust in God. And so I'm just kind of curious, like people can say that, oh yeah, like Dan, you, you know, God's your, God's your safety net or whatever. But at the, at the same time, if, if Dan's the guy with the lump in his testicles and I'm not like, I can say that, but at the end of the day, it's like Dan's got to be the one that goes to the quiet place with God and really decides to give his, you know, to put his trust in him, right? Right. Yeah. And so I, I guess I'm just more, I, I'm really curious about what that, what, in, what is entailed in, in sort of that process or what that looks like or how that's, uh, how that occurs. Because that's like, that's just what I think I'm after. Not only in, you know, not only in trial, but I would really like to be after that at all times in my life, but especially when, you know, going through something that's a little bit harder or spicy. Yeah, a little spicier. I mean, I think that's the first step. Like, you, you have to go through it as an individual, but then you, I, I feel like you, you have to pair that with bringing, bringing that truth or that, that realization to other people in your life. That way you can bounce ideas off. You, you can be vulnerable with other people and have them speak truth and reinforce the truth that you received in, in, in the quiet place uh one-on-one with god and that truth can get reinforced and and you can sort of build back up uh that belief that faith structure like i i remember when so uh, backstory for me like my probably what one of the biggest trials i had was when i i was engaged before i'm uh before adrian and i started dating uh that engagement got broken off and so that was a really difficult time. And I remember like you guys were essential in helping me walk through that process. But for me, it was, it was necessary for me to get into a place of vulnerability and seeking out truth and figuring out, all right, God, what do you say about me? What do you say about me being a future husband, a future father? I had to get those truths from God just by myself but then it was great to have guys like you community in my life where i could be like all right hey this is what god's spoken to me can you help me root myself in these truths like i know what god has already said but i need i i need accountability so to speak to remain in that truth yeah totally that makes sense i feel like my short answer is uh that was the hardest part for me was being vulnerable typically the way arguments go for anna and i are like for me it's really hard typically for me to say that i am having that i am frustrated and then once i can sit like once i get up enough gumption gumption or feeling secure enough to to tell somebody else how i'm feeling then usually it's not a big problem for me at all what like the difficult thing for me is when I am in that place prior to saying I have this issue. Uh, but once I recognize that I have the issue, then my my turnaround time is pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Anna's problem is not saying that she has an issue at all. <laughs> like she can be very clear about having the issue, uh, but it takes her a long time to process through that issue and to to come to a satisfying or or good perspective on what's happening. 
And so I don't know, like I would ask the question to you, like what's the like what's the holdup for you being able to relinquish control and rest in reality? Because like for me, it, it was me holding on to that and me kind of wrestling with that and not being willing to vocalize it, even to myself, really, that I was in a mm-hmm. kind of like a battle for a lot of stuff in my life during right. that like year, year and a half. Right. So right. once I was there, it was like, Oh yeah, obviously like I have this control issue. I'm really afraid. I'm scared. I'm embarrassed. You know, I don't want people to know whatever, like all of those issues, like once I was able to vocalize them, then I could go down the line and that wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. But, recognizing that I held on to this thing for too long, that the longer I held on to it, the more foolish I would appear, all of the embarrassment or shame or guilt or whatever about that, once I could vocalize it, that then it wasn't a problem for me. I mean, I, I think it's part of, uh, I think it's like a practice thing too. Do, do you feel like you, after that experience, it's gotten easier to be more vulnerable with people. I would say that experience, or at least it like kick kick started you <laughs> into becoming yes. more, more vulnerable. <laughs> Maybe you're not at the ideal state yet, but <laughs> I would definitely say that I'm not at the ideal state. But... Right. But I think that was like what initially started the. Uh, I would say yeah. getting married has helped me with that more than anything else. Oh, for but sure. but I did think that it would be kind of like a much more of a snowball effect than it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's interesting. The, the vulnerability is like what you're saying is the I don't know the first step or or, or like a crucial crucial part. Um, yeah. Because I I mean. Have been have been dealing with this since since I started having these random the random pains in my abdomen like almost almost a month and a half ago now and at some point before I had the surgery I like did like a, I want to be vulnerable email to like both of our both Nicole's family and my family to kind of say I've, I've been struggling with some things and I'm worried and I'm scared and I don't know how to handle it and you guys are really important to me and all that you know just doing that and it really did help the thing that I'm like struggling with is. I I thought it would be like you make a decision to trust God and then you just trust him. It's like, okay, I trust God. You know, and you, you, you like pray and you journal or whatever and you feel full of faith and then you like walk out of the room and you're like, yeah, that's it. All right, I just, I just like uh, crossed the line or something. But then like the next day, like another day happens and I'm not in like the same place of faith or the same place of trust that I, that I was the day before. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I'm like, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm struggling with now is that I'm like, wow, this is a, yeah, I just thought it would be kind of like one and done. Like it'd be a line you'd cross and then you never go back over it. Uh, and I'm not sure that's the case, but I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it is or not. Like, what, what do you think about that? You think it is kind of like a, you reach a level of faith in God and then you kind of stay there or like, or is it something that you like, you have to like fight every day to have? Uh, I I think it depends on on the situation and what God has like given to you and what He's re- revealed to you. Like uh, going back to the like enge- the engagement breakup, like uh, that that was hard. Uh, but then 
I I distinctly remember going going to uh, a place on campus, a little chapel, and just praying and just declaring and just saying, "All right, God, I need I need a word from you. I need truth from you right now." And he gave that to me, and he was like, "Jake, you are you are going to be a husband. I I put that in you. I put that spirit over you, and so it, it's going to happen." And so when when I received that word, that like I didn't need anything else. And so yeah. I uh, like for that certain situation, that's all I needed. I just needed one word from him. I needed one encounter, and I was I was good to go. I was like, oh, all right, awesome. I mean, there there were certain. I mean, I don't know. I guess I don't know. There were there were times, I suppose, where I was like, oh, I, w- I wonder where where my spouse is at this point. But it wasn't. I don't know. That that was like to the the biggest extent of like my questioning of that word. But it was just like sort of like a half thought, and then nothing really after that. But yeah, I mean, I think beyond that, though, I think every day it's like. When I'm hanging out with my coworkers and I'm like, oh, and one of them complains that they're sick or they're not feeling well. And I'm like, ooh, I could pray for healing for them right now. And I know God wants to heal and I know that he has put that desire in my heart. Why am I not going after it? And, you know, and so trusting in him in other areas, it's like a daily struggle. It's a daily conversation that I have to have. And I have to say, all right, God, why am I not trusting you? Why am I not believing in you? And so, yeah, I think it just depends on the on the situation. Uh, I, I think it depends on the spot where you where you allow God to speak into your life like that, where you can receive a word that is so firm and so foundational that you can stand on it regardless of uh, circumstance. Yep. Can you describe a little more what it was like to? when you're in that chapel and you're praying and God spoke that to you? Because that, that's sort of what I'm looking for is the experience where like God speaks to me or he shows me something through scriptures and I'm like, that was it. That was what I needed. And I just like kind of, I like fully take it on and I'm like, yeah, that's a part of me now. You know, like you said this, I believe you. And that's, that's that. I have the feeling that's available. Right. I, uh, well, I, it was a place of raw vulnerability first and foremost. And what uh, was also genuinely a, I don't know what the answer is right now or, mm-hmm. or like I'm perfectly, I'm perfectly ready for you to say, no, you're, you're meant to be single or, or like I'm, or wait, you know, like I'm not going to give yeah. you the answer right now. Uh, I, I was, I think I, yeah, I was at a state at that point where I was like, I don't know what you're going to say. I don't know what the answer is, but I just need something from you where I can say, all right, God told me this. I can at least stand on it and know that that's the truth. So I think that that was like the biggest heart posture for me. It wasn't like a confirmation bias, <laughs> you know? Yeah, right, right. Like, oh, I really ooh, like that. Yeah, like, ooh, I'm waiting yeah. for God to say that, <laughs> that I'm going to be a husband because I really want to be a husband. Like, ideally, you're right, you know, like, you would love right. to receive that word in that time of crisis. But but sure. at that point, it was genuinely, even if he said, hey, I want you to go across the world, be single, be, live alone by yourself for the rest yep. of your life. I was like, I don't care. 
Like I, I would do that if, if that's what what you told me. I just need like something that I can stand on. I, I think that's probably the biggest. If I had to like tell people how to, yeah. I don't know, not necessarily re- replicate that experience, but I think if, when we're willing to just hear God for whatever He has to say, uh, I think He'll. I believe He'll always speak to us. Yeah, I really like that. That's helpful. That's really helpful. I can definitely say that I do not I do not always approach God with that posture. Right. When I need something. I'm not always in the place where it's like I don't care what the answer is, I just need something from you. Yeah. You know? I definitely come in with my like you said, confirmation bias. I'd really love to hear this from you right now, God. You know, I'd really <laughs> right, love right. I really love this kind of encouraging this kind of encouraging word. <laughs> yeah. Can you can you give me that kind, you know? Can you you know, can you show me a, a verse in the Bible that tells me what I want? No, but yeah, I, I think there are uh, definitely situations where you want that confirmation bias uh, almost where you are declaring the promises that God has made back to him. So I, I don't think there's like situations where like you shouldn't do that. Be- sure, sure. Because like, you know, if your child has cancer or something and you're like, no, God, you said that. And my son's going to be healed. Right, right. You know, it, it's good to, to speak those promises back to him. But yeah, in, in certain situations, it's good to uh, just be vulnerable and to just say, yeah. God, what, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to say, I'm all in. Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, yeah, the, it's important to draw a distinction between. Right. If you have a promise from God, then you want to stand firmly on it and don't, you don't always need to be like going and like, you know, oh, I for, kind of forgot what you said or like I didn't, right. you know, I didn't believe it the first time. That's different though than going in and being like, this is a new situation. I don't know what you have to say about it. Yeah. And I need something. But it's hard. It's like pretty exhausting though, like emotionally. Like, uh, like when, when I think about that situation, uh, yeah. I haven't, we haven't had many like that. And so, I sure. don't really want a lot of those situations. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're pretty right. tired afterwards. And I mean, it's a good word to have later, but in the present, you're like, oh my gosh, man, this is hard. Yeah. No, <laughs> there was a lot sure. of crying on my end uh, yeah. in, that, in that encounter. And so right. it wasn't, it's not something I'm like dying to replicate just so I can <laughs> have a, have another word. <laughs> <laughs> that word the word i got came with came with a uh, a price so yeah. yeah i mean i think that was also that played a pretty big role i think maybe it was a little bit implied in what i said earlier but i was just tired out like i had no more fight left in me so my posture was like <laughs> automatically that i think by the time i really approached god with it I guess, yeah, I would, I would ask like, what's your, what, yeah, what's your hold up? I guess I'm not at the place where I'm okay with whatever God would say about it. Mm. I guess I don't really want to have chronic pain for months, years, or my lifetime. I'm not super okay with, right, <laughs> with with the consequences of that. So that would be part of it, I guess. And I think that, yeah, that leads to fear because if there's something that might be in your future that you're not okay with, then. Then yeah, you, I think I would, I'm afraid of that. Yeah, I think so. My dad was telling, telling us about some of his some stuff that he's gone through in his life, and he had he had back surgery a couple of years ago and was in like a ton of pain just kind of constantly because of it, and it wasn't really getting better, and it was actually kind of getting worse. And he he said he had a similar moment where he was, I think he was hunting like elk hunting or something in the middle of Colorado or something in the wilderness, and 
he just like broke down and started crying, envisioning 30 more years of just like this sort of constant agony and like a marginalized life or whatever. And same thing. I mean, he was really vulnerable, really raw. And the thing God spoke to him was Christ is enough. Mm. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just don't think I'm there yet. I just don't think I'm really there yet where I actually, I actually like f- truly believe that like he's enough too much of what I want out of life and what I get out of life and what I enjoy out of life is not just like just him. There's a lot of other things I think that I really want in life. Mm-hmm. Wow. That, that would be like taken away, you know, by that thing. And I'm sort of being confronted with that. And I guess I'm probably not really, really quite ready to let go of them <laughs> if I'm, <laughs> if I'm being honest. And so then it scares me to think about having to let, let go of them. Yeah. Which I don't, I don't actually, you know, I don't actually know that that's what he wants, but I think what Jake's saying is, is right. This just the, it's the, that's really connecting with me is that the posture of the answer doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is that it's from you. God, I feel like I need to pray with that perspective or that mindset. But I mean, you know, that like for me, I guess that's just like really, I don't know. I mean, that's just kind of like the rubber, the rubber meets the road kind of a right kind of faith thing. You know, it's like, oh yeah, I mean, that's, that sounds really good. And I'm sure I've read that in books like 1500 times or something, you know, or read it in like, then that's like, you know, every devotional, like that's, you know, you just read a devotion. That's like, how many, how many devotionals have I read that sound like that? You know, <laughs> how many sermons have I, have I heard that talk about that? But I guess it's just the. Yeah, I guess actually doing it myself is yeah something that I'm not uh, not super comfortable with yet. So yeah, I mean you're asking about how <laughs> this is a, a completely different scenario in my life, but that's how I feel about the Midwest. <laughs> I'm not ready to let go of anywhere else but living in the cold. I definitely don't have that hard posture <laughs> when it comes to like, all right, God, if you want me to, I will live in the Midwest for the rest rest of my life. I'm not there. <laughs> I'm not there yet. That's hilarious. That's like your hang up. Oh, oh dude. Gosh. Oh, we weren't meant to live in negative five for the majority of our, at least half of our life. All right. So God made a mistake when he made the when he made the Midwest, huh? No, he he made it. He was obviously intending us to be nomads. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, Obvi- sure. Obvious intent. The son of man has no place to lay his head, right? <laughs> exactly. Took the words right out of my mouth. Oh, that's awesome. Cool, man. Well, that was really helpful. I think I'm going to definitely try to pray like that tomorrow. Yeah, Uh, for sure. That will be interesting. I'm curious how it will go. Yeah. Maybe I'll be all better. (laughs) Be awesome. Dude, we'll be be praying for it. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Cool. All right. See ya. All right. We'll see ya. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Once again, if you are married and you think your spouse might like this show, please recommend it to them. Let them know that you're listening to it so that hopefully you both can have meaningful conversations about parenting maybe a little more often because you both listen to the same show. Also, it would really mean a lot to us and really help us out if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Obviously, if you're in the iTunes app, that should be pretty straightforward. We've also added a link in our episode descriptions. If you're in a third-party app that you can get there quickly, not only could it possibly help people discover our show, but it genuinely helps us make a better show. I'm not sure we're actually very good at knowing what people 
people like and what people don't like. There have been several things that people have told me either personally or on the internet via social media that have given a lot of feedback and I've been really, really surprised at certain things that they like, at certain episodes they like. Uh, sometimes we, our favorite episodes are people's least favorite and sometimes our least favorite are people's favorite. And so if there's stuff you like that we do, we'd really like to hear about it because then we can do more of it. Or if there's stuff you don't like, for example, Dan's wife, Anna, absolutely hated our outro music. Uh, that we used for the first few episodes. So she told me that, or rather she told my wife that and said, don't tell Justin, but I hate your outro music. But then she told me, and so then guess what? We changed it because she was absolutely right. So uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty open to feedback because we just want to make the best show we can. And knowing what people think really helps us do that. So if you could do that, that'd be awesome. Otherwise, thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week.